welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast, where every week we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under, with your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio. Hello and welcome to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. I'm your host and licensed funeral director, Victor Rubio, and today we are here to discuss episode 12 of season two, titled I'll Take You. I am back this week with David Green from last week. David, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Doing good. And David will be also closing out our season two next week. So you're you're the first, um, I don't want to say threesome episode. Uh, three-timer? Three-timer in a row, which is... Which is Sort of special for. <laughs> it's sort of like the uh, sort of like the five time club on SNL. There you go. <laughs> and um, I guess I guess because you know we I don't have to give you a big intro like you know we we're speaking last week we kind of got your 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 gauge on six feet under, so we could kind of just really hop right into the episode if that's cool with you. Yeah. Well, I guess you know what you know what now now that I think about it we could this episode we're we're leading up to what happens between Brenda and Nate. Oh, like yeah. that's the that is the climax of this season and episode, right? Yeah, in my notes I actually have and here we go exclamation mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. And um you know what's funny too? Uh this felt like a finale. It, right? It like it's almost been. it's almost it's almost surprising that we have another episode of this season, you know? If not for the sort of um hanging issue of Nate, it could have been the finale. Right, right. And just the way, too, they like uh, the way it, you know, we're, this is definitely doing it in reverse, but just the way Ruth is holding the baby at episode end, like, yeah, it could totally be. And, like, just kind of like those last, that last, like, two minutes where all this stuff happens. Kroner gets shut down. Nate goes to that guy in the, uh, what, the pancreatic cancer guy and everything. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's how the season ends. And it's like, no, no, we actually have another episode, which is pretty crazy to think. So yeah, we can get into uh, this episode. This episode aired May 19, 2002, and was written by Jill Soloway. And I'll throw in, she, she did a commentary on, on this episode. And if, if you're fans of Six Feet Under, and you have the DVDs, and you're someone like me who listens to the commentary and all that stuff, she has one of the most, oh God, what's someone who's really animated, not animated, She's very truthful in what she's saying, and her commentary starts out, I mean, literally, the, the HBO thing goes on, and we're going to play the sound here. It is so, it's almost like, wow, I don't want to listen to it to you, but it's kind of smart the way she goes about it. Uh, we could play it here. You don't have a life, do you? <laughs> That's why you're listening to the DVD writer's track. Don't you have anything better to do than watch this episode again, but with me talking all the way through it? I can't imagine that this is interesting to you. <laughs> but if it is, I will narrate the entire thing. I think that's kind of crazy. She's just like, well, you don't... And she ends it the same way. She's just like, well, listen, look at this. You finally made it all the way here. So you truly don't have a life. <laughs> uh, another TV writer that does commentaries kind of like that is Joss Whedon. Oh, Yeah. Well, he makes fun of himself more than he makes fun of the person listening. You know, he's very self-deprecating. Uh-huh. That's cool. Does he do one for the Avengers? Do you know off the top of your head? Or you don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's where I know him most from. I know he's a uh, he's a bit he's the big Buffy guy, right? Oh uh, yeah, his, Buffy, his Angel, Buffy, Firefly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And our death capsule starts out with a hair salon setting, and we see a young girl is getting ready for a quinceanera. And the woman uh, who becomes our deceased in this episode, Letitia Perez, just sort of in the background, like there's all this storm going on of everyone getting ready. And she is like the calm of the storm and she just dies. My my first question here is, do you know what that thing is called? I, you know, I remember like my grandmother going in it or whatever that uh, yeah, uh, it's, alien, it... whatever it is. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just like an old-style uh, hairdryer. Oh, I didn't know that. So, yeah, we just kind of see she just kind of dies in, in the in the middle of the storm of this. And now that I'm thinking about it right now, I don't know how this death relates. I, I mean, I know what it has to do with Rico's storyline or whatever, but, like, the symbol, the symbolism of it all, 
were you able to pick up anything like that or is just kind of one of these death words just I didn't really think about it you know it's yeah. um it's just sort of the the engine for the story it's how to get the funeral home involved and right you know, and, right but yeah I don't I don't know if there's a larger meaning I don't catch it yeah and maybe I'd have to watch it again with trying to keep that in mind on the commentary uh she did point out that this was all what they call like a one shot where mm-hmm. everything the camera never cuts or anything it's all done in one thing which is amazing because there's so much going on in the background you know our episode starts out with nate reading some of brenda's book and nate is reading aloud uh brenda's latest sexual adventure the mm-hmm. i want to get into basically i guess i guess to tease the question did brenda want to get caught on some level there are a couple of moments in this episode where i think she kind of did Okay, then you know what? Bring bring it up. Bring it up as we go along because this is kind of the only time I really saw it. But if you saw it other times, then then great. But I mean, just having, I guess we could start here with just having the laptop out, letting Nate read it. Um, Yeah, there's a part of her that kind of, is it, is it satisfying that, that compulsion she has like what do you what do you think is the reason why she wants to get caught i guess we could say you know i I think that her having the laptop out and letting him read it and i think that it's uh, along with you know maybe hoping that he might connect the dots you know at least on a subconscious level i think that it's also part of um i don't know maybe a level of exhibitionism right 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 like wanting yeah like wanting to be seen Uh for what i've done here, well, you know, when they're when they're talking about what she's written, uh, you know, there's typical Brenda. You know, Nate asks, "Have you ever slept with two men?" And Brenda just sort of deflects and reflects it right back to Nate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same scene, I like how Nate, you know, Nate had his finger on the pulse, talking about how Brenda's writing this stuff because she's angry that Nate cheated on her. But it's sort of ironic because it's like. I guess by episodes and, you know, Nate would have <laughs> wished that's all she was doing was writing, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the idea that this stemmed from Lisa and then Brenda's like, I've been doing this way before Lisa. She's she's kind of telling him but not telling him, you know? She says that uh, she wasn't writing it for him. She accuses her of writing about strangers to, to get back at him about Lisa, and you know. And... Um, the part about that scene that, that really kind of sticks out for me is, is at the very end when he says, you know, what else is in this computer? And then he taps her on the head and says, what's in this computer? Right, right. It's like, you know, he, it's like he's, I don't know if he's he's aware or he's suspicious or, or what, but, you know, he knows that there are things that she's not telling him at this point, or at least I think so. This early scene with Keith and David, where we learned they are welcoming a caseworker to decide if they are suitable to adopt Taylor. Uh, you know, we see that Keith is basically scolding Taylor at every turn. Uh, basically, sort of psychologist talk, right? But David has a point, like, you know, like kind of let her be, love her for who she is, and, and you gain trust. Uh, this opening scene with the three of them, is, is there anything you took away from that? Uh, no, not really. I mean, the the, the, yeah. one, the one part about that scene that, that kind of stuck out is... Uh, David tries to talk to Keith about Taylor, and he says he doesn't want to hear it. And David says, why? Because I'm white. I thought that was just really weird to, for them to even go there. Yeah, it's weird you said that because I, I feel like that's something I would have remembered. Um, oh, and one other, yeah. thing, one other thing that comes back is uh, David says he's reading these child psychology books, and yeah. and Keith thinks that they're bullshit, and we get the title of the book, The Whole Child Theory. And it comes yeah. back later, which is why I brought it up. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Keith later, when... A scene I definitely didn't under well, it's not that I understand. I guess the more I think about it, when Keith is getting addressed by let's just call him his sergeant on the police force, and the the officer starts out saying, you know, we got the results back on your shooting from a, a few episodes earlier, and Keith's mind goes into this crazy rant about how it's his fault and it's he starts blaming a bunch of other current events or politics right of, of what's going on but then we sort of find out that he was just he was cleared he was cleared in the shooting and everything's fine well i mean i think it was sort of his worst nightmare that this person that that he shot could have become this person who basically uh solves world peace you know <laughs> yeah is he is he sort of i don't know because it kind of like what happens later in the episode with him 
does he want to get charged? Does he want, I guess, relieved of the pressure of Taylor? I don't. I really don't think so. Okay. I, I think that at this point he's he's fought for Taylor in such a significant way by standing up to his father. That if he he he's actually working toward keeping Taylor at this point, I think. That's interesting because then I, I I definitely want to get back into that later in the episode when we see what happens with the um the domestic case uh husband, but later uh you know like I said they're they're welcoming this caseworker and they're basically scourging the apartment for anything not gay. And yeah. <laughs> I love the seriousness, but the lightheartedness about it. You know, just the way they're kind of going about it. Uh. You know, Keith is picking up all these questionable items and just the back and forth of it. You know, uh, I think it was, uh, the one part where he says uh, the whiz. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it's, on, it's a whiz. kid's video. <laughs> and uh, the Esquire book about what men should know about style. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and I, I just love how the scene ends where there's he picks up something and then he just they look up and there's this picture of just basically a man's back. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like a black and white photo of a guy's ass. Yeah. And then they all, I, I, is it Taylor or I think it's David, where it's like, yeah, that's totally gay. Yeah, David <laughs> says that. I guess because we're here, we could, you know, so, sort of stay with the the, uh, the caseworker. Uh, the caseworker shows up and, David, you said you were a Dexter fan. Did you notice the caseworker at all? No, I didn't. Who was it? It's it's his de- it's Dexter's first victim from the first episode. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the, the, right? uh, the priest. The priest. Yeah, the priest that's been touching the kids, whatever. Uh, I noticed it as soon as it came on screen, and I was just like, oh, shit. And what's funny is that's like the fifth or fourth or fifth Dexter character, which is ironic because, like, you know, Dexter kind of had all these, when he had these kind of kill of the week things, like mm-hmm. all these these characters, like, um, oh, God, I'm totally drawing a blank here. With the episode that started out the season from, and he was in season five, uh, Sean Hastity, Sean Hatsy. The, the uh, guy in season, uh, season five, Dexter, the one who, who's the animal part of the whole thing. Regardless, whatever. Um, yeah, I, there's I a few characters. Uh, Rabbi Ari. Rabbi Ari is also in Dexter. Uh, he's Tom Hanks' sister, whatever. Uh, Colin Hanks, rather. Yeah. We're going way too into Dexter <laughs> here. <laughs> but yeah, this guy was uh, from Dexter, uh, you know, the first episode right out of the bat. Uh but here, when the when the caseworker is here investigating, you know whether or not they're suitable for uh, to to adopt Taylor. I don't know if I'm just being a snob or or if I was in a bad mood. Uh, when I watch this scene, minus the way it closes out, which is pretty funny, I kind of rolled my eyes at like the the the, the trope of the investigator where he's just you know being short with them, you know, makes a bad joke, yeah, and. Keith and David can't get a read on him. Mm-hmm. Did, did you buy that at all? Or did that not bother you at all? It, it kind of take away anything I could remember about this scene. Because I was just like, oh, God, this is so typical of a investigator comes in. They're super nervous. You know, David is like, uh, I'm, my own super, I'm my own supervisor. And I have to say I'm pretty great for myself. And it's just, you know, the nervous laughter. Yeah. Um, well, the, the part about that scene that kind of struck me the most is, is how rehearsed Keith and David and Taylor were. And, you know, she uh, he asks her, what, what's your favorite thing at school? And Taylor says, recess, or you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and David's like, she's good at so much, you know? It's just, <laughs> and, and the other part, when uh, Keith says that they're interested in the whole child theory, and David shoots him this glare of death. Right, right, right. It's another time where I wish this show had thought bubbles. Yeah, yeah. And you've said that before. There's so many times. And it's funny is I think if the show had like I, I'm with you, I want the thought bubbles, but then if we had the thought bubbles, like um basically doing a podcast would be uh moot. Like there's well, no yeah. point because we wouldn't know you know what I mean? But yeah. I'm with you, like yes, I, I wish they all had thought bubbles there. I love just the way how this scene closes out where uh the guy the investigator is leaving and he uh makes a comment on the table. I forget the name of the place where he gets the table it, from. Uh, it was Restoration Hardware. <laughs> right. And he's like, you know, oh, wow, uh, I love, don't you just love that place? And he walks out. <laughs> and then this is where, right, where Taylor's yeah. like, man, that guy was so gay. <laughs> yeah, that man was totally gay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know it from the first scene? I, I didn't know it until, like, he walked out. No, uh, not, until, not until right, that right. moment where he said he could live at, at uh, Restoration Hardware. <laughs> yeah. And he sort of does that little sigh. And I thought, oh, yeah. okay, there you go. <laughs> you guys are going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. 
I and I just love the way like Taylor's the one to say it, you know, like look at this little girl. She's she's I think she's supposed to be nine, and you know she's that guy was so gay. <laughs> I love that stuff. We move on to the Claire and Ruth, and we learn Claire is finally going to take a tour of the art school that's been recommended to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this also has that little funny scene where Claire's like, you know, I kind of she comments, I want to cut my hair off like Felicity. Oh god, I laughed uh, so hard at that. <laughs> Where Ruth doesn't pick up on this at all, and she's like, "Oh, is this one of your fr- one of your friends who slept over, right?" Mm-hmm. And oh yeah, Claire's she like, came over for dinner one time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. But like, poor and cute Ruth can't pick up on this, and she's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we see Claire goes on this tour at the school, and I I enjoyed her being shown around. Right? Did you like that little scene where they they're going through it? And there's there is some like uh, I guess art pretension going on where it's like you know, uh, what's the comment where he brings when she brings up uh, Billy? He's like, oh, his work is not as good as whoever. Yeah, he says this. something like uh, there was some other artist who did what Billy does only better in ten years earlier or something like that. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, how cool is it to have welding as a... I loved how excited she was by that. You know, the idea that her calculus grades aren't going to matter here. And right. She could, and she could just be an artist and create. Yeah, and I, I just I just liked her being shown in that you could just kind of see, like, everything sort of rising in her. Like, wow, this is, this is definitely somewhere I could thrive and I'm um, intrigued by it. But... You know, sort of, I, I guess I'm realizing now I just might have been in a really bad mood watching this episode because the way that the scene, the, the scene closes out where, where she is touring the school, whatever, uh, just a heavy handedness of, you know, she goes to her car, which is a hearse. Uh-huh. There's a hearse parked right next to her. And she looks so happy. She does, but it was there. Did it have to be like another <laughs> hearse? You know what I'm saying? Well, the thing about that, just from the sort of the show side of it, like the production mm-hmm. side of it, it was obviously another hearse that they had on hand, like in case the other one broke down <laughs> and they could repaint right. it quickly. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was the exact same model. Right, right, right. And I guess with these shows, they always have like, you know, two of them or three of them on there. Uh, I just, I was like, I, I really liked her being shown through the school and just, you know, she's being aroused by everything. And then when she walks up and sees another hearse, it's like, oh, God, I, I get it, you know. <laughs> um, David, when the scene that we learned that Gary has been written off the show, or yeah. <laughs> rather he he got let go because of budget cuts, right? Um, yeah. I found that odd that Claire took forever to realize something was going on. Oh, yeah, I noted that, it's too. It's like, how, how are you not picking up on this, right? Yeah, it, it, in my notes, I actually say, is, is she really so self-absorbed that she doesn't realize he's packing and that he's, that he's upset? I, I mean, I guess that's the sh- what the show is trying to tell us, is that she's now so immersed in this other part where she's just kind of, she, yeah, she just simply can't recognize what's going on. But I thought it was actually a really cool character moment for Claire where she, she admits to wanting something. She says she really wants to right, go there. Right. So far, Claire has been very passive about basically everything, including her own life. Mm-hmm. She she wants something now, right. and I think that's cool. The way uh, we see Gary gets a, a phone call and he just sort of starts to ignore Claire. I guess the point of that scene, was it to just shows Claire's, you know, rising interest in this art school, finally wanting something. I don't know what Gary played into it. I don't know. Like, I just... You know, I I wish I had actually looked it up on IMDb Mm -hmm. to see if this actor, like, maybe he got a job offer for another show and couldn't do both. And this was Six Feet Under's way of explaining why we don't see him again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it... it, I mean, we see him again really, really quickly at the end of the episode, but... uh, But, yeah, this is his last scene. Yeah. Uh, the first scene where we learned that Rico knew our deceased Abuelita. Uh, I don't know if I said it in the intro that we were just going to re- refer to Mrs. Perez's Abuelita. On the funeral director note, uh, you know, because we see here David walks in. Uh, if I had walked into an embalming room and saw a coworker just staring at a deceased and <laughs> just brushing her hair out of like a- affection, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. I'd be so freaked out. Um, yep. Yeah. Especially considering how excited Rico gets just on mundane cases that he's not even connected to. <laughs> and mundane you know, is the best word. You're absolutely right. 
And, you know, David comes in and he's, you know, stroking this woman's hair. And it's, yeah, it's it's very creepy. And, like, and here's what's funny, though. Like, how do I say this without sounding weird? Fuck it. If I dress that woman, I put her in the casket and Rico's doing the same thing. It's not as weird. Right? Because, like, you're sort of, I mean, I've seen family members do that of their of their own mm-hmm. deceased, whatever. And, you know, you're just kind of, whatever, you know, the, grieving by, by doing this, whatnot. But doing it in the prep room mm-hmm. setting is just odd. It's so odd. Yeah. I've never, my entire career, I've never seen this happen where you're just staring at them and doing what he's doing. Uh, I haven't paused right now, the, the episode I have, and Rico's just staring at her. <laughs> it's just so weird. <laughs> you know, something uh, about the way that she looks, I kind of imagine that that's the way that a deceased woman her age would actually look. I mean, I, I'm, I'm actually asking you. It, does she look accurate? She, uh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, that's kind of how she looks. Uh, there is one thing I guess I would comment on. She's just kind of laying on the table. What? Mm. And you see, you'll see this now. Like if I say it, you'll pay attention to other mortuary scenes and maybe even in the show. Um, there's usually like a, a head block under the head. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have seen And that. here she doesn't have one. She's just kind of laying up. So other than that, yeah, I, I, you know. I would say this is how she looks. She looks a little pale. There's usually dye to kind of bring a little bit more life color to the person. She looks kind of white here. Well, I assume that this is before they really started working on her. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess, and then that would make ev- make it even weirder for Rico to just be brushing her hair. <laughs> Actually, I had another funeral director yeah. question for you about this scene. Um, Rico did the pre-need with uh-huh. her. And David comments on that. I was just wondering, is there would there be a conflict of interest in the real world with Rico helping her with her pre-need considering their relationship? Uh, not at all because okay. – no, not at all because, I mean, I could go do my pre-need. Uh, usually how that works is, is just kind of like, oh, I mean, let's say me and you lived in the same town and you wanted to do your pre-need. You would come to mm-hmm. me. Maybe because I'm missing a step. Where do you think the conflict would be? Well, uh, okay. Let me uh, let me use me as an okay. example. If I came mm-hmm. to you and I said, "Hey, my good buddy Victor, I need to do a pre-need." Considering our relationship, you might know things about. I mean, if you were like an incredibly unscrupulous mm-hmm. funeral Which director, I am. you <laughs> okay? <laughs> no. uh, I'm sure Natalie will love hearing you say that. Um, <laughs> you might be able to use things that you know about me to to say. You know, your mother would like to see you in a, a nicer casket because I know her, how much she loves mm-hmm, you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I guess that's sort of where I'm going with that. I mean, that's just kind of that's just kind of selling. Um, I forget what episode I talked about it in, but that's just kind of... I mean, it's the same... I hate to put it this way, but you got to do look at it uh, like a business. It would be the same mm-hmm. way if, like, hey, do you want to really go in that casket? Do you... I wouldn't say it like that, right? But just just the idea mm-hmm. of it. Um, no, because in the end, it's it's your decision. And I, I guess that that's more just a, a, a selling technique. It's the same way if you're going to look at TVs at Best Buy. You know, just sort of, mm-hmm. do you really want the 55-inch when you can use the 60-inch? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it just it's warped because we're talking about caskets and what you're going to go in. But no, I, there's if I mean I would actually take it the other side of it where, let's just say I know you best, so I know mm-hmm. like in this example and for the episode, I know you would look ridiculous in the Lady of Guadalupe casket, and I, which I would, yes. <laughs> right, <laughs> so the, the idea of trying to put you in that, but it can be to the point where you're just like listen. I really want to be in this casket. I don't care. I don't know what your ethnicity is. I'm assuming you're not Spanish in any sense. You're not Hispanic. No, I, I'm a lame ass right. white boy. <laughs> so, but you could just be like, I really like this casket. Which to take this out to another level, and we're jumping ahead a few scenes here. Uh, when when Abuelita's uh, hus- uh, husband, father, jeez, uh, son comes in, and you're son. right, and he wants the more expensive casket. So I kind of did some research on this, like, and what would happen because it's very rare a family will come in and be like, I know she has picked this picked out and everything's paid for. I want to pay more money and get this casket. It happens, but it's very rare. Yeah, I was just, I was going to ask you about this because I know where you're going. With so, this. Uh, for instance, if you want to look this up, uh, there's a, a black onyx casket from Batesville. I think 
it looks badass. It's just like black with these nice silver touches, right? If I was going to do my own preening and everything, that's the casket I would select for me. So then I got to thinking like, well, what's to protect me, you know, my, my, my next of kin, my significant other, whatever, from picking another casket when the time comes? And mm. it's basically, you can upgrade as much as you want, but you can't really downgrade. Because it's a it's okay. a contract, you know. Well, what David says at the end of the scene is uh, he's not sure if they were actually legally required to right. to honor her wishes, right. and that was basically my question. I mean, is there a legal obligation? It is the legal obligation is to you basically again it, it's sort of the same thing. You can't downgrade. So, for instance, you okay. have this whole you, you write your pre need right, and your thing is a, a visitation for X amount of hours and big funeral the next day. When I say whatever your big funeral, uh, you cannot. You you die. Your next of kin cannot come in and say, "We're not doing any visitation, and we're getting some of that money back." It's it's a con. It's gotcha. a contract. You know, you can't buy a car today, and come back in a few months and be like, "Oh, listen, there's not enough. Whatever. I want bigger tires on it." Like, no, that's how you bought the car. That's how you you know you're gonna get it. Um, but yeah, what? And I, I guess to take it further, I don't know. I guess we're getting back to the storyline here, uh, but yeah, like uh, j just to stick with the, the funeral thing one more time, you can like in this instance, David is not legally bound to that casket. Okay, he could have absolutely upgraded to this other mahogany casket and not faced any repercussions. I don't know who would have sued him because it's the son, you know, he's the legal next of kin. Well, yeah. Um, but he, she, he, they couldn't go from that Lady of Guadalupe casket to a pine box. Right. Yeah. Right. He gotcha. couldn't go that way. The idea that David kind of sticks up with Rico here and is on his side. Why? It, it seemed rather. I mean, you could see it happening in the scene where David all of a sudden comes on to Rico's side. I mean, any other time, David would have been. No, no, no. Let's get this mahogany casket. This oh, yeah. Is what you want? I, why did David flip like that? I think it. I think it's because of the earlier scene in the prep room where he he can clearly see how much Rico loved this woman and, and right. how special she was, and Rico kind of making a stand with the son. You know, I can see in this particular situation David thinking this is important to Rico. You know, right, right. And I think that's why he that because you're right. Otherwise, he would have switched over to the mahogany casket, especially if there if there weren't going to be any actual repercussions for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just like this is unlike David, but it made me feel good yeah. being David. Like, listen, I don't even know if we're fucking if we even have to legally stay bound to this, but fuck it. <laughs> I like that from David. You know, yeah, just one of those rare moments. Uh, a quick moment back to the body in the prep room mm -hmm. on the commentary. She said that these are full body cast. And that their their makeup team paints these bodies to look like that. Wow! Uh, which I yeah, I thought that was amazing. And if you would have if you would have made me guess what is it, I would have honestly would have said a person's laying there, just not breathing during the time of the scene. I don't oh, know how yeah. stupid that makes me sound, but that's oh, just yeah. how I thought it would. That's right? that, that's certainly what I would have thought. You know, because I I just assumed that it was you know the actress and they had her laying there and they. They had makeup all over to make her pale, and yeah, that's right. that's pretty crazy that they have a, a full body cast like that. Yeah, and she was just like praising the the the, the art team for doing this, and I was like, wow, I have no idea. And she, it, it was funny because she was like, these people go in these full body casts to get the, you know the cast done, and anyone from the set could just lift up that sheet and see what that person looks like. Like they go full Ooh. the whole nine <laughs> yards, yeah. But it's like a, a wax body figure of a person, you know. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, I always thought those those were actual people on there, but yeah. There's a quick little note because it doesn't lend much this episode where we learned that Abuelita gave Rico or rather the Diaz's uh, 149,000. Yeah, left in her will. Uh, the only kind of thing I wanted to just say here that Vanessa puts it, this is like 150 thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I like I like it was cute how uh, excited she was. Um, you know the thing about that scene is it's one hundred and forty nine thousand dollars, and no, that's that's not a small amount of money. Mm -mm. But again, in L.A., it's not going to go as far as they're kind of acting like it's going to. That was just a little nitpick that I had about the scene. Yeah, I get. I guess you're right, but 
I couldn't, I can't fathom any situation where shit, even a hundred thousand dollars wouldn't, I wouldn't say it doesn't make your life right, but it well, sure yeah. as hell hopes helps. Well, like I said, it's not a small amount of money by any stretch of the right, imagination, right. but it's like right. they won the lottery and they're about to get $10 million. Like, no, yeah. you live yeah. in LA. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, we can move to Ruth and Nikolai and we sort of see, uh, you know, it's kind of like their first scene kind of paints exactly how this is all going to go, where the, this incessant scheduling mm-hmm. of Ruth of when we're going to see each other. And we just see Nikolai's like, yeah, sure. Okay. You know? Yeah. I think his only word, the only word he speaks in that scene is okay. <laughs> yeah. And he just like, keeps saying okay, right? And yeah. she's like, well, we agreed to see each other every other day, but then what would we do on the weekends? Okay. 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 <laughs> and I think... You'll notice that he's working out his knee the entire time. Yeah. And I think that that was sort of a, uh, sort of a, I don't know, like a hint to the to the audience from the show that he's trying to get better just as fast as he possibly can. <laughs> so he could literally, literally and figuratively walk away. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> and it sort of leads to probably uh, the most efficient but saddest breakup. <laughs> yeah. When they go to the movie theaters, uh we see Ruth and Nikolai go to the movies and my I guess I guess to sort of uh jump off your nitpick, why was the movie so crowded on a weekday during the day? I found that a little odd. I, I don't know, maybe it's just back in the day that that box office lineup outside sort of thing. Well, um, I, I just assumed that it was the weekend. No? Oh, did you? I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I assumed it was a weekday. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, and we see, you know, when they're buying tickets, uh, Nikolai wants to go see his own movie and Ruth wants to see her own, uh, just even the way she agrees to him and, and gives him that weird kiss as they go off. Mm-hmm. It's sad, you know, it is. Ruth, this, this is like Ruth's, Ruth and Nikolai's big day of fun and it's just, he couldn't be any less interested. Yeah. I mean, Nikolai is clearly a guy who, who, who not only wants, but needs some space. And yeah. I think that when they sort of part ways in the movie theater and they go, they both go into their own theaters, I think that's when it starts to dawn on Ruth that Nikolai is just, he's, he's kind of done. Yeah, and he's, uh, what's the word when you're just there to be there? I, I don't, he's coasting. You know, yeah. he's just kind of, because he's not going to sit down and break up with her. Uh, when you mentioned when they go into their own theaters, I thought that was nice uh, camera work or imagery. Because yeah. there's this long hallway and it's split right in the middle. And well, and it's also uh, it was shot with a fisheye lens, I think, to make it okay. to make it look like the 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 doors are kind of close to each other, but at the ends of the the hallways, it right. looks like they're sort of bending away from each other. That's cool. I didn't pick up on that. That's really cool. And Ruth, in the most Ruth way ever, breaks up with Nikolai in the theater. Yeah. While uh, Blade 2 was... Well, actually, let me get to here. Because Blade 2 is playing for Nikolai and Murder by Numbers is playing for Ruth. Mm-hmm. How do I say this? A hot take on either movie? Because I actually like Murder by Numbers. Did you ever see it? Oh, yeah. Actually, I like both movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, it sort uh, of struck me as an odd movie for Ruth to want to see. Just Yeah. Because I, I just don't see her sitting down and watching a movie about, you know, serial killers. But, you know, yeah. whatever. Now, Nicolette, I can see him I can see him watching Blade 2. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He loves Blade 2. And he would probably love Fast and Furious and, you know, those type of movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sort of the fun movies. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. fun, flashy movies. <laughs> but when she goes into the theater, like I said, you know, Ruth had to get up from her theater, walk into the next theater, and she gives her, you know, the spiel about how she doesn't want to hold him back and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. She's kind of wanting Nikolai to say, like, no, 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 let's let's work on this. Not now, please, oh, right? Oh, yeah. She, she definitely wants him to, to argue with her and to, to kind of fight for her. But right. she just and, doesn't. I mean, he just doesn't. <laughs> and Ruth is just devastated yeah. by that. And all he says is, well, okay. okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I said, it was the most efficient breakup. Like she's sitting here. I don't want to take any of your time, and I don't want to hold you back. And like, well, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, efficient, but oh my god, terribly sad. We see Nate is back visiting uh, the young man who has a finite time to live. Do you know his name? So I don't have to keep calling him young man. Uh, Aaron yeah. Brookbinder. Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Right, so I could call him Aaron. And they're discussing cremation. Uh-huh. Uh, he mentions about who's going to push the button to start the cremation. And 
I don't know if you picked up on it, but that actually comes back a few scenes later about this push and button thing. Yeah. We'll get to it. Um, but when he's spouting off that he's burning all the bridges and there's no one around, uh, is this just another essentially like just to point out what's going on with Nate? Yeah. Uh, in the previous episode of uh, not only the show, but you know your podcast, I called Aaron a, a, a living ghost character. Right. Because right. he's reflecting Nate's thoughts the way the ghost characters do. And I think right. that that's, that's happening again here. When... Well, and like I said, we'll get back to that uh, that cremation button push, but this sort of lends into uh, the Chenoweth's vows renewal. Uh-huh. Uh, what I call it, uh, egotistical or pretentious, <laughs> self-absorbed, self-absorbed. Right? I guess we could keep going on that. Uh, I didn't have much from this besides uh, on how it ends with, with Nate and Bernard. Um, is there anything you'd, you'd like to talk about of these? Vow renewals? Not really. Um, yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me look at my notes real quick just to see if, if I'm forgetting anything. Uh, yeah, uh, the way that that scene with between Nate and Bernard ends, it, with Nate and Bernard saying, you know, thank God, thank God, thank God. <laughs> you know, you know, she, um, Margaret forgave Bernard for sleeping around, and Nate, he he doesn't know about Brenda yet. He's just happy yeah. that that she forgave him for Lisa. Yeah, for Lisa. You know, so that that moment where they're like, "Thank God, thank God, thank God," is just kind of sad to me. Like, yeah. dude, you have no idea what, what's about to happen. To you. <laughs> and it's just a perfect build up to to what happens in the end of the episode. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is what I was talking with the button push when Brenda and Nate are in the elevator. You know. The scene starts out with, you know, Nate says, "Are we even moving?" Uh-huh. Which is like such a, like a telling sign of, of everything. But, uh, you know, Brenda goes, "You forgot to push the button," uh-huh. and like you know, that's I, to me that was like the parallel between. I mean, there, there's a reason why they brought up Aaron bringing up, you know, who gets to push the button at the crematory and this sort of thing where Brenda's like, you know, you forgot to push the button, whatever. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of subtext in that scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other moment when Billy and Claire are going over her pictures. Well, actually, let me let me rewind a little bit because there was a scene where Claire is taking her pictures in uh-huh. the prep room. And <laughs> when we first started talking about this episode, it's one of the first things you brought up to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gee, it sure is a good thing they don't use that room for anything else. You know, right, right. She can just be down there doing that. <laughs> odd, odd. Um, what did, do you know off the top of your head? You seem to know this stuff. What 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 that device is called, where she could take selfies, essentially. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's called a shutter release. It's gotcha. Um, that makes sense. And they make them for digital cameras too. Mm-hmm. It's basically I, I, uh-huh. the the little thing that she's squeezing is actually just pushing air through that hose and pushing the button down. Gotcha. That makes sense. And this was like her resume, her portfolio, right? That's why she's taking these pictures. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but uh, she presents those photos to Lack Arts in the, in the next episode. Okay, okay. So uh, just this moment, uh, I guess when Billy sees the picture, um, yeah. I really, I guess I have two things about it. That quote that he, well, that quote, what he says to Claire, uh, I have it here. You're never, you'll never be able to see yourself the way other people see you, the way I see you, because mm-hmm. that's a shame. I really think you have no idea how beautiful you are. Yeah. When I when I when he says that I'm like wow I, I fucking love sedated Billy like yeah, sedated Billy is so much more personable and enjoyable and, and pleasurable you know yeah uh, yeah sedated medicated Billy is actually not a bad guy <laughs> no he's he's really he's honest and he's he's kind of timid too because he doesn't want to say things but then he kind of has diarrhea and the diarrhea of the mouth and just says it you know yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, he's he, he, it's it's like what you said, but at the same time, he's not sort of he's not sort of blocked by kind of the negative emotions, so he says what's on his mind more freely. Right. Right. Yeah. And just Claire's excitedness as the scene ends, I yeah. thought it was so adorable. She like, I was gonna say like a little girl in high school, and she literally is a little girl in high school. <laughs> well, it's like it's like before, you know, with that scene with Gary. She's actually excited about something for the first time, like since the show started. 
Right. And I right, think that's, right. I, I really like that. Uh, I guess here we could get into Rico's flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of like, again, like we were talking uh, off, off air about this episode. This is finally the episode they chose to give Rico some backstory. He's not just this annoying uh, uh, selfish, you know, employee. We 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 see where how Rico got here. Um, mm-hmm. We see his father had died, and that Nathaniel was the funeral director on the case. Mm-hmm. And something I, I kind of—it's just something I, I always find funny about this stuff: the uh, the act in Hollywood of making someone look young, or or yeah, you know, the, yeah, they freshen him up with like. Uh, pay- not really pale makeup, but you know they they give him sort of a fresh face look, and they change his hair, and they just basically brush his hair down, right? Yeah, I mean, because I'm thinking I'm thinking of an episode, uh, I guess in Dexter when they do it, but also thinking of uh, I don't know if you watch The Office when Michael Scott tries to look like Jim and he just brushes his hair down and it's like he looks cool and hip all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> and I'm watching it now. Rico's wearing like a Ringer T-shirt. Yeah, but then Nathaniel too. I get, they added like hair to his head, so now he has some comb over going on. Yeah, they gave him a little, kind of a little wig, and and they darkened his hair a little bit, like the actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just funny, funny stuff uh, during the show. And we see the first scene where where they're sitting down with Nathaniel, and he's going over, you know, his father and how he found him and everything. Uh, it's 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 sort of like a nice way to show that Rico did exist prior to the show. Besides, you know, we did see that that, that scene. Uh, when they're doing all the flashbacks with Nathaniel, the last time everyone saw him. But this first scene when he's sitting down with Nathaniel, talking about his father and how he found him and everything. Uh, was there anything there for you? The actor who plays Rico, his his name escapes me at this right there. Right uh, Freddie Rodriguez. Freddie Rodriguez. Yeah. He's the thing. That, the thing that kind of ruined that scene for me is he's not very good at that kind of acting. Yeah, he's not. He ki- right. he kind of over overdoes it. Yeah. Um, but I love that. Rico saw his father in that condition, and Nathaniel is, don't worry, I can handle it, you know. And mm-hmm, he's very mm-hmm. he's very calm and very patient. It's, I've said this to you before in an email, I kind of wish they, it, the show wouldn't work, obviously, the way it does, but I kind of <laughs> wish they had kept Nathaniel alive just a little bit longer so that we could have known him as, a, as like a living person. Right, yeah. Because the times we do see him alive, he's, uh, how do I say this, he's... He's on level 10. Yeah. No matter what it is, he's either saying something so philosophical or he's being so careless about life or he's it, – it's only the important moments we see. We don't get to see like uh, David's everyday interaction with Keith and with everything and we just see these yeah, really pointing moments with him. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and that guy, uh, I believe his name is Richard Jenkins, the actor. Yeah. He's great. Like it, he's just such a great character for that role. The middle flashback, there's three flashbacks. Uh, the second flashback when Nathaniel walks Rico and his mom in to see his father. Mm-hmm. Um, the look uh, that Rico gives, it's, it's, it's also, it's funny. Like, it's the same look he has when he sees dead bodies in this show. But when he sees his dad, you just see the, the amazement of it. Now, I, I think that he's actually a really good actor in that scene. Really? Because he's he has this like look of awe on his face because mm-hmm. you know we don't actually see what his, what his father looked like, like Prior, in the prep room right. or whatever. But yeah. you know we got the sense that it wasn't pretty, and right. it's like this uh, this awe that oh my god you were able to do this. Yeah. And I think that's sort of the moment that would later go on to drive him to do what he does. You know. You know. You know. It's so funny about that. I literally have here in my notes. This is the moment for Rico, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah like this is the moment uh, when I loved how he's looking over at Nathaniel. Nathaniel kind of gives this like approved nudge, you know, uh-huh. or just like that's the moment for him and Rico. Oh, yeah. And but it just sort of blends into the wake for Abuelita, you know. Uh, can um, I say one more thing about that scene, though? Uh huh. Uh, the music cues in that scene where where he's looking at Nathaniel, mm-hmm. I could be very wrong, and I probably am, but it sounds like pieces of the score from American Beauty. Oh, there's a lot. There's uh, so what's funny about that? The scene later when Ruth is cleaning, mm-hmm. it is actually the music on the DVD, like the uh, the menu. Uh-huh. And it sounds just like American Beauty. I'm a thousand percent with you there. Yeah, absolutely. It's those pale it, little piano notes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. 
And yeah, go back. Uh, I guess if you're listening while listening to this episode, definitely go back to that scene when when Ruth is uh, cleaning, because that's the that's the DVD menu music. And yes, it's totally American Beauty. That's funny you say that. Uh, the last of the Rico flashbacks, he skateboards his way onto the Fisher funeral home and helps out Nathaniel with some yard work. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of see how this connection, you know, just like we were saying before, uh, was made between them. You think at all in this final flashback, the glare in Nathaniel's eye, you think maybe part of it is because, like, he doesn't get that affection from his children, like the appreciation and the willingness, because, you know, he wa- he's there to help and... You know, I was actually. You think it's from? Uh huh. I was actually going to mention that when uh, when the when Nathaniel takes uh, Rico and his mother in to see his father, mm-hmm. um, Rico gives that look to Nathaniel, and Nathaniel has this look on his face, and it's all, it's almost like that exact same thing. I wish my kids. I wish I could see that look in my kids' eyes, especially yeah. especially yeah. Nate and Claire at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, we just kind of see. We could assume from here on. And is it said yet? And minor spoiler, fast forward 10, 15 seconds. Has it said yet that Nathaniel Fisher put him through school? I don't think is it's that... actually been said yet. Okay. I could be totally wrong, but I, I don't think it's been said explicitly yet. Well, Nathaniel may or may not have put Rico through school, so there's that. Okay. David, we finally get to the part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> where we can talk about the breakup. Oh, God, it's been such a long time coming. So to set it up, one of the surfer dudes come by, comes by from last week, and Brenda plays it off like he has, she has no idea who this is. And we kind of seen, like, you know, the way our uh, episode started out where Nate is reading her work, and the two cues were he the, had a stupid yin-yang hat. Yeah, that he says late. Late. Yeah. <laughs> when he says late here and the camera just stays on Nate's face. And Nate has this moment of realization. <laughs> I will say, and again, I, like, I always say, I've seen the show a few times. I didn't know. I guess I wasn't paying attention enough because I didn't know what the cue was. I was like, wait, how the hell does he even know? And then I had to go, you know, go back and watch it. Yeah. And it's funny on the commentary, she's like, did you hear that? Yin yang. And did you hear that? Late. You know, yeah. she, so these are two. They said they had like toyed, toyed around in the, the writer's room for the longest time. Like what's the cues that will set Nate off? Yeah. Uh, something else. And, you know, I'm not going to go straight too far into this. If you go back and watch it, that scene is directly cut where one side is actual on location shooting. And then the Brenda and Nate side is actually uh, on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how they go back and forth with that. Nate goes to the computer, and I guess we could kind of pick our points here in, in what we like most or, or parts we wanted to talk about. Uh, Nate goes to the computer, and he, he actually doesn't reread it, right? Like, Brenda doesn't let him because they just go into this brawl. About oh, yeah, everything. she doesn't even turn the computer on. Right. She, she, she denies it for a little bit, and then it's just like, well, then fuck it. What the hell? Why not? We're here already, right? Well, I mean, uh, in that moment, she knows that she's caught. Because right, he, he's right, he's yeah. figured it out. Like so, what's the point in trying to get away from this? I don't know if you've ever been caught cheating, but I have, uh, and that's kind of what you do. It's like, well, you don't know that was me with her. You don't know that was whatever. You know, just the way she's furiously denying it, and it's like, how fucking more coincidental could it be? But you just deny it, right? Deny, yeah. deny, deny. Uh, when Brenda says, "I don't," you know. Why the fuck did you do this to me? And uh, Brenda goes, I don't know why I did. I don't know why I did. I wish I knew. Yeah. I feel like she's genuinely telling the truth there. Yeah, like, I do too. It's like a, She's not excusing it, but she doesn't know how to control whatever this is going on over her. Yeah, it's, it's like I said in the previous episode. Um, her life has gotten so out of control at this point that she probably doesn't know why she's doing this. You know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I buy it. And again, like we, said, we, like we talked about in the episode before... She's having this threesome and the dude's, you know, railing her and she's, it, there's not even any sense of enjoyment from her. So, yeah, yeah it's totally taken over. Uh, something from this fight you want to talk about? Because I, I have more. I just, oh, I've know, got there's a, so much. I've yeah, there's so much here that we could just kind of tennis this and, you know, go back and forth. Well, I mean, when she first gets defensive, she says, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? And, she, and Nate's like, who am I? 
who the fuck are you? And <laughs> and she actually makes a decent point there. She's she's the woman that he had sex with in a closet two hours after uh-huh. they met. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know that's that's who she was then, and that's you know who she is now. Yeah, uh, I I uh how I don't want to get too personal here. When a couple meets, where one of them was cheating on them with them on their ex. Mm-hmm. And then that person ends up cheating. It's like, well, what did you think, right? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean. And I think that's like the sort of the same thing here. You met me, you fucked me in a, a bathroom at, at the airport, Janet's closet, right? Not even. Oh yeah, it was, it was Janet's closet. <laughs> like, what did you expect? Something when they're fighting here and they're they're yelling at each other. Again, I, that's get too personal. Not to reveal too much of my personal life. My father had insane aggression issues, right? Uh, kind of like Keith, right? Yeah. Uh, but when he would get mad and he would start yelling, he would start having this spittle where he gets so worked up, like sort of like he's right. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about here with Nate? Like he's so angry that little like spit comes out, but he's not. It's it's like foam almost. I didn't you know even what I'm talking that. about. Yeah. If you go back, watch the scene like Nate is so and it's amazing acting by, by Peter Krause because he's getting so worked up like it's just. He doesn't spit. He doesn't. He doesn't physically go, you know, and spit on her. But he's just so worked up, like this. This sort of spittle comes out. Uh, you, you know, I would actually like to ask him if I had an opportunity. What did you do to to prepare for that scene? Like, did you just go scream out in the middle of nowhere for a little while and <laughs> and get your blood pressure up? And you know, I I have to imagine when they're reading the lines. And you know, it's really funny you say that. A note I have here from the commentary is the the way he ends this first part of the fight. And he's like, you know, you're a fucking cunt from hell. That's his line. He wrote that. He added that in there. Whoa. I, 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 yeah. So I don't – I feel like it's not – I feel like it's a lot harder to, to uh, emote sadness. You know, if I just walk up to you and, like, you know, Jimmy died and you have to be like, oh, my God. To get angry, I feel like I, – I, I, I feel like I'd be able to work that up. And I'm not an actor in any sense of the form, but I feel like I can... I feel like you could rev me up to this point. Will I be this good? Definitely not. Um, but I could see it. No? You can't get that worked up like that? Oh, I could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be... You know, it's like you say, I wouldn't be as good an actor as Peter Krause, but you right, know, right. If, if, I had to, if I had to fake that level of anger, I could yeah. probably get there. Right. Uh... Go ahead. I'll toss it back to you if there was there was something else during this fight. Well, I do have one other point before we move to the where they go to the hallway. But uh, if uh-huh. there's so if there's anything else in the bedroom you want to talk about, uh, basically the, the part of it that that Brenda's making this fight about Nate. Yeah. And it's just sort of again just like that 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 defense of like no does so what I've been fuck you know having threesomes and whatever. Well, what about you? And it's like, no, no, no. But yeah, that, yeah. that was my only thing about this first part. You had sex with Lisa. You know, you brought another person into this world who's probably going to end up, you know, screwed up. And she's tr- <laughs> she's trying to deflect from what she's done. Right. Yeah, you're right, by making it about about him and what he did. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, the, the one other point I had before they moved to the hallway. Nate looks at her and... It's like he doesn't even know her. I mean, he even says that. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. actually asks her if she fucked Billy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. At this point in the series, I'm sure it's something a lot of viewers have wondered. I know I have. You know, I'm... Yes, yes. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, there I was definitely creep-out moments where yeah. I could totally see that, yes. yeah. Because they, their relationship is just plain icky. It's interesting though that in the heat of the moment, where where your relation, your 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 almost marriage, your engagement has just crumbled, and that's something that comes to your mind. Uh-huh. You know that that's interesting. That's where that's where when he's getting everything out. That's interesting. That even creeps up in there. Did you fuck your brother? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing, you know. That's amazing to think about. And I, yeah, with you, he has a point. Like, I guess it's a valid point. It sounds ridiculous, but yeah, you know, he kind of has a point. I think it's plausible enough that he asked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My 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 last note is is the ending to the fight about the ring. So I don't want to get there yet. Is there anything else you have when they get to this hallway? I guess there is something I wanted to add. Uh, the use of Steadicam in this shot is pretty great. And like you know, steady cam, just one guy holding it, and yeah, it adds like the 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 tension in the fight. 
well, yeah, the Steadicam makes you feel like you're you're a third person in this scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know, you're kind of looking at both of them and it's moving. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the point of a Steadicam, or at least one of them. Right, right. Uh, anything else before we get to the ring? No, that's the barf the, point. No, that's where I am in my notes. Uh, I loved how intense this fight was and how I start laughing at the end. I legit crack up uh, just to set it up. You know, Nate starts to take off his ring and Brenda, you know, in her crying, yelling voices, you know, don't, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. Uh, don't take off the ring and throw it at me. That's so cliche. I'll barf. Yeah. And he says, <laughs> Nate sort of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, and so he takes off his ring. He tosses it at her and says, there, barf. <laughs> he is so done with her. <laughs> Just what a great ending to it, you know, um. The use of the word "barf," I don't. I feel like that's. <laughs> it's that's one of the. It's one of those words that's just inherently funny. Right, right. <laughs> barf. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a great fight. Um, I'm glad it didn't get physical. They didn't like do anything like that. I don't think it's innate. Because, but the moment when he does walk over to her, I was like, "Oh no, is he gonna like shake the shit out of her or something?" You know. Uh, I don't really. But yeah. I don't uh-huh. really think that it's innate to do something like that. I, no, no, I it's really not. Don't. But I, I will say that I thought it was like I thought he would kind of grab her by the shoulders and be like, you know, what's wrong with you, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just not in Nate's character to do that. Um, yeah, and, and I guess I, I kind of like how I said last episode. I, I don't remember. I remember the major points of Six Feet Under. I really don't remember what the turnout is for this next episode. So I'm the finale episode, right? So yeah. I'm definitely excited to see that. When kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's so funny about that. I have here in my notes that we, we go on to Ruth and my notes, my notes literally read like this. When Ruth is cleaning the house, probably out of boredom because of Nikolai, the music that's playing reminds me so much of American beauty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's where she gets the phone call from Lisa. And in the most six feet underway, Lisa breaks the news about her pregnancy to Ruth instead of Nate. Mm-hmm. Question here that I wanted to get into. Timeline. I, What's going on? I really don't like the way this show plays with time. Because... because uh-huh. I uh-huh. mean, the, the Seattle trip was um, really not... Was episode four. So if... Because there's times where it says it's a week ago. Yeah. And it's episode by episode, so... But go on, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go on. And Lisa says that Maya was born just a couple of weeks early. So we're, we're playing with nine months between episode four and this episode. Uh, well, is episode four when they go to Seattle? Yeah, yeah, because when, 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 when Lisa shows up, she's five months, right? Yeah, and then four months have passed between then and, you know... I really don't like the way the, set, the way the show plays with time. I was shocked. Yeah. I was. Th- I I thought he just she just called to, to check up on Nate, and then when she has the fucking when she says she has the baby, I was like, what? What the hell happened? And again, I'm someone who's watched this show, so I know this baby gets born and everything. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was totally shocked by that. I think in a normal ep- in a normal show, they would have ended this season maybe with a cliffhanger like some. Something happens. Something's happening with the baby as Nate is going into the hospital. Right, right. You know, and leave it as a dual cliffhanger. But you're right. the The fact that they didn't, the fact that they didn't use that in the finale in some way other than to have like heartfelt moments. You know. Yeah. It it, yeah. yeah, It it was actually very shocking. Yeah. And again, this is again, and you know what's funny about that? This is why it does feel like a finale because it touches those like finale tropes. Yeah. Yeah, the baby's born, and I, and I guess to the point too is while, you know, because we kind of see that Ruth Nate after this fight goes to visit a dying guy, where Ruth goes to kind of visit new life, you yeah. know, and I kind of like that that little parallel that's going on there. There was a there was a line in Queer as Folk that kind of reminds me of this. Um, uh, Brian is standing on the ledge of a building after his son has just been born, and and. Uh, uh, the main character, his name escapes me at the moment, says, oh, this is like ER, birth and death in the same episode. You know, kind of mocking <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a little nugget here that we get a phone call to in these final minutes that Kroner is, is filing for bankruptcy. And, oh, we totally bypassed it of uh, where Keith um, punches 
the shit out of the guy that was abusing oh, yeah. her w- wife. I think that Keith, to your earlier point, you know, does is is he really trying to fight for Taylor? And I said that I thought he was, and I still do. I think mm-hmm. that he has just inherited too much of his father's anger issues, along with you know any frustration he might be feeling because he was off the hook, and yet he still did this completely terrible thing. Right. I mean, because when I I watch this scene, like you know, the guy the guy antagonizes him. Yeah. So a push by Keith is completely warranted. The yeah. excessive punching is not. No, that's that he got triggered. Right. You know, into violence. Yeah. See, I I, I guess I I'll tell you what. Like again, I mean, obviously, I respect your opinion and everything. Part of me that takes it the way right now is that he kind of knows he can't handle this mm-hmm. that he's not suited for it and i guess kind of like brenda just kind of sabotaging himself not not uh intentionally maybe subconsciously right yeah. right i'll, I'll agree with um, that yeah you know and i guess that's kind of cause i was like why is he doing this why why is this man who who's fighting for taylor and and you know swore off his father and everything and put the mother in jail you know all this why would he do this? How do you not have the right frame of mind? I also don't have anger issues like that where I may not be able to control that kind of stuff. But when I when I let it sit in my mind a little bit, and just kind of like how we talked about in the beginning of this episode, it's kind of like where I realized, like, oh, maybe he's sabotaging himself. And, you know, just to close out our episode, the, it's probably the happiest we've seen Ruth sober uh, <laughs> and the most purposeful, right, we've ever seen her. She's just holding Maya, the yeah. newest six feet under character. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love that scene because Ruth, when when she sits down in the rocking chair with Maya and the love in her eyes and and Lisa kind of walks through just sort of doing, you know, like whatever she's doing. And Lisa, and uh, Ruth just starts rocking in the chair and she's just so happy. Yeah. Yeah. She, she She's kind of been fighting for a purpose with Nikolai going through this shit the past few episodes. And I mean... I don't know how the hell I would react if I just found out one day that my 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 grandchild was out there, and it's amazing you could just kind of drive over and there she is. Yeah. Uh, but it, it gives, for what we know so far, it gives purpose to to Ruth's life, which is really nice. Yeah. And that ends our episode. Uh, is there anything I bypassed? Yeah, just one really really quick thing. When yeah. When uh, David calls Nate and, t- and says that Kroner has filed Chapter 11 and that they're under investigation, you know, I get that the show wanted to switch gears in the third season, but this felt like a really sloppy way to end the, or just maybe a, maybe not sloppy, but really abrupt way to, to end the Kroner storylines. I am with you in terms of television, but just in my head, the way you say it, when I think of... I'm taking it on a much smaller scale, but when I think of guys who've left jobs or guys who got hired, that's kind of, to me, and again, I'm, this is not my industry, is not specific to this, but I, I'm just thinking of times where I got phone calls where, uh, how do I say this? So this corporation that takes over, they bought two of the funeral homes where I used to work. And it's literally like that. Like I got a phone call and it's like, yo, uh, Smith Funeral Home is getting taken over by. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, what happened? Like, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I, I could, I guess, uh, story wise and, and writing wise, yes, I agree with you. I, to me, the realism was just like, wait, what did you just say? Uh-huh. They're, fi- they're filing Chapter Eleven. What? Like, you know. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I could, I, I totally see that. I'm with you there. Okay. Well, that was the last thing that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like I said, that ends our episode. Uh, David will be back to s- discuss the season finale uh, titled "The Last Time." Uh, any 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 teaser you could you could toss out there about the finale that you remember, or not without you know getting yeah, not yeah. without really getting into it. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm excited to see it, and we will be back next week with that episode. Uh, you could find me on Twitter. I'm at Digging Podcast. You could find me on Facebook. I'm at uh, Digging Six Feet Under. Always feel free to shoot me an email. I'm at Digging Six Feet Under at gmail.com. A few people have written in, and 
I, you know, we're, we're, they're doing some guest episodes next season. So please, if you're interested at all and an, uh, an episode from season three sticks out at you, definitely write in. Uh, David, do you want to share your Twitter handle or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's not very interesting, but it's uh, <laughs> at Stuff Junkie, S-T-U-F-F-J-U-A-N-K-I-E. And he'll be on the tag on Twitter uh, when I post this episode. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digging Six Feet Under podcast. Join us on the next episode as we review each episode of HBO's original television series, Six Feet Under. Please search and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes under Digging Six Feet Under. The Digging Six Feet Under podcast is in no way affiliated with HBO or Six Feet Under. And the views expressed here are solely that of the hosts. No infringement is intended.